for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> Is not true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No government, no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is king of kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his lordship. You are not protecting women. You are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. That's, I didn't start I, but sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. Right, when the spirit comes upon people, they go to war. They go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered. Hello, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic. Thank you for joining us. I'm Waterboy Gabriel Wrench. Who was right two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row, like a broken Waterboy. clock. Waterboy. I also have with me, of course, Pastor Toby praise Sumter. The Lord, praise Amen. the Lord. Hello, hello. Amen. And then, of course, Chalk Knox, the Chocolate Factory. What's up? The Chocolate Factory. We're in his studios. And, and then we have a, gr- a really cool guest with us uh, here today is uh, Ken DeVries from Benawa County, yep. Idaho. Yep. Believe it or Thanks not. Thanks for Thank being you. with us. Yeah. Ken, it's great to have you. Yeah. yeah. From out in the middle of nowhere. I'm about <laughs> so, to learn a lot today. See, I'm fresh here to Idaho. So today's going to be a great show for me. Our, our listeners, you got to understand, Moscow, like, they think Moscow's in the middle of nowhere, but Moscow is like civilization County. compared to where Ken's from. Well, you guys have. Blaytock County's got four times the population we do. Yeah. Which, what's the population? I know Moscow's got about 15 to 20,000, depending on how you count it, at the end of the year. Um, how, what's the population oh, of Benoit County? No, I think it's like 25 no, I, or 30. So I used to work for an economic firm. I know oh, how the data is oh. recorded. Just pulling that part. <laughs> oh. Appeal to authority fallacy. <laughs> oh, there we go. So they give you the yearly total um, in the demographics, which is roughly about 25. But that's yeah. That's what the sign says. When you come in, but the town, problem is there's about ten thousand students that come in and then leave. So it depends on what timing of the year you count it. That's what. Uh, that's that's okay. what. That's that was my okay. comments. But, but I literally said that. Did but, I? Did I say that? I did. <laughs> you know, I can see I'm not going to get a word in edgewise. Yeah. <laughs> We're looking at each other like, "Hey, how you doing, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you. Great you haircut. Learn, you yeah. gotta just you just got to bark. You I just, just look at go. these guys most of the show. That's all I do. <laughs> yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> he yeah. could be the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah chocolate knock is, is so quiet and, meek. and humble. Mm-hmm. That I mentioned how humble I was. I'm humble about my humility. Uh, so. Are we going to talk about the news? Yes, we're going to talk about the news. We got some uh, really interesting stuff, I think, um, for for what's been going on. You know, we got elections coming up, but a lot that has been coming out about Hillary Clinton's campaign has been coming through WikiLeaks, which we just talked with our buddy Marcus. She's vindicated now, right? Is that what it is? No, she's not vindicated. Okay. Okay. All right. So nothing's changed. So so because of WikiLeaks, and for those who don't know about WikiLeaks, Marcus Pittman really, I think, helped us out last week. Dropped a dime from Apology Radio. He did. Yeah, Yeah. Apology Radio. Our boys over at Apology Radio. Um, uh, WikiLeaks is basically a website where people go to um, report um, information where otherwise they wouldn't feel safe, maybe going to the FBI with. He said it was an anonymous. So they, it's like an anonymous Dropbox account. Yes, is that, is that, and, that's, that's a wiki is typically something that anybody can edit. It's kind of like Wikipedia, like same Wikipedia. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so anonymous you were, Dropbox. You were totally crazy when you slipped up. <laughs> No, not totally. <laughs> not totally. Who's calling, calling it Wikipedia last uh, week? I, I did slip. Was, it was yes, but it's like it's the, it's a similar idea. 
Right. Okay. Um, uh, yes, but they don't want people editing the emails. They want people um, uh, being I, able to be a Dropbox I, well, for anonymous situations. Exactly. In the last 10 years, they haven't had anything that's been doctored or proven that's been doctored. Right, so. right. So in the last 10 years, everything that they've put out in public has not um, been- so, so far has been authentic. Authentic. Yeah. Authenticated. I read, right. Although a lot of the major media, though, is saying that these emails were illegally- like, like hacked or something like Russia that. or right. something like I mean, that. Which that is- well, think about it. Think about it for a second. Let's say you're, you're, you have a, um, a secretary. Yeah. Goes through your computer. Okay. Grabs your emails. Right. Because they know what you're talking about. And they say, you know what? This is trouble. This is the only way I can prove this. I already know that. It's the only way I can prove okay. it. So they steal your emails. So that's, it's, it's technically just, stealing. Yes. It's illegal. Yes. But, but it's but it's no but less illegal second, than if they went to the FBI and the FBI well, would be like thank you for doing well, this. Well, no, let's say this for a second. Let's say for that. Okay, you stole something from Gabe, right? I you sold it to me. Okay. What we don't know is that Gabe got this illegally too, or is doing something illegal. Okay. He might not have, or might may, may have, or, or may have either. And so either I take or. it back yep. to the police and say, hey guys, yeah, I got this from somebody sold me something that was stolen, and they go through it and realize. <laughs> I'm glad that we got this from this person. Regardless of how we got it, the person who it originally belonged to is in some bad truck. You know, I think that there are truck. all kinds of ethical questions that could be brought up concerning people like Snowden and WikiLeaks and sure, all this kind sure. of stuff. However, um, from my perspective, the the best thing that ever happens to government is sunshine. Come on now. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Come on now. I'm yeah. going to go on record, and I'm going to say that. And I have yeah. a lot of conservative friends that will criticize me for my support of people like Snowden and, uh, and Julian Assange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Um, I firmly believe in transparency in government, even to the point of putting up a website that takes the Secretary of State's data and exposes all of the public funding that goes into Which that. Which is what Ken it, has done, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so oh, you get have? That website. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, Okay, I'll try not to. Well, and, and just by <laughs> the way, down. yeah, okay, slow down. And by the way, by Assange doing this has made the Obama administration the most transparent administration of all time so far. <laughs> not because of Obama. Not because of Obama. Yeah. But hey, not voluntarily. Obama, yeah. yes, he did. He he said he would. He said he, he, he did. He did say that. He did say that. And I don't care what you say. All the glory goes to Obama. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I'm going to give glory to God for that one because he took Obama's own words <laughs> and brought truth? it back. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, this this uh, another website has popped up where they kind of categorized the most damaging oh, WikiLeaks dot com. So because I'm not going through all that. I know stuff, there's man. there's over fifty thousand emails that have come out in the last what three months wow. or something. And so this this website has gone through and it's called most damaging WikiLeaks dot com. <laughs> and you can go to that. that it literally is. Well, this is a so, deep rabbit hole. Yeah, very helpful, actually. Yeah. Most damaging WikiLeaks dot com. Yep, and and but mm. uh, there's there's a, a hundred that they there. they've I'm categorized. Yeah, you go there right now. There's a hundred that they put down so far. And, but I I want to point out this one. This is number six. This is where I want to start. Are with they this. ranked? They, well, they rank them from one to a hundred. It's probably not like any but, sort I mean, of real scientific. So, I think by the time you're talking about most damaging WikiLeaks, mm-hmm. one to a hundred is rather academic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, their number one is that um, uh, Obama lied. He knew about Hillary's secret server, and he wrote to her using a persuado, uh, persuading him. Are we really protest. surprised that the President of the United States has lied to us? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You mean, just, you mean a pseudonym? Hey, guys. Hold so, on. Yeah. Hey, okay. one second. I say, I say the P. I'm about to click, I'm about to click <laughs> this link. 
Am How I going to get like tracked pterodactyl or <laughs> psychosis or <laughs> a pseudonym? Hey guys, this is serious stuff. I'm about to click this link here. Mostdamagingwikileaks.com. Yeah, you're going to get tracked down by the IRS. Uh, see, I don't want to be on a no-fly list because yeah. I decided to I go look and see what our government's doing. I think you've already said enough incriminating things on this podcast. Yeah. Man, ten people listen to this podcast. Nobody listens um, to this podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm probably Wi-Fi. on a lot more lists than you are. <laughs> Why do we have this man here? <laughs> Why is that's, he here? That's not funny. <laughs> now we're guilty. Yeah, see we're, what you did. I don't know. We're already in northern Idaho. Okay. So, but but I want to point out one of the things that they they categorized on there, and it was at number six, was that Hillary's campaign. You know, emailing back and forth. They have all these conversations, emailing back and forth. One of one of her higher level um, people in her campaign um, basically was emailing saying, "We want an unaware and compliant citizenry." I read that one. Oh, Un- unbelievable! An unaware and compliant, and compliant citizenry. citizenry. I think the direct quote, or the, a very close quote, was: "We all know how hard we've all worked to achieve a compliant citizenry." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very a, close. A to unaware the, and compliant yeah. citizenry. Wow! Yep. Wow! And and but <laughs> oh, so the Democratic Party has been running this play, yeah. and they're they're talking about it in their strategies. Uh, and and we've been, it, it, but where does this place start? How do we herd the sheep? Where does this place start? Right, it starts in our education systems. Right, uh. we're giving our kids over to create what the Democratic Party wants is an unaware and compliant citizenry, yeah. and we're doing it. We're just handing them over. Yeah, you know, I, I think through all of this, the thing that's been the most shocking is that this is actually happening. Just think about this for a moment. We are getting a look, a glimpse into our government. Now, everybody always says, oh, the government's corrupt, government's corrupt. But when you have evidence of it like this, it scares you because now you have validation. You know what's scarier, though? What's that? What's scarier is that there's a whole horde of people out there. They're going to look the other way and vote these people back. Well, they don't know what to do. What what, what do you do with this? Everybody's seeing this information and they're like, okay, who's going to do something? Do we grab our pitchforks and start running down, you know, to Congress? Like, what's going on with you guys? I mean, what is our what is the what is the response to all this? Hey, you're here. <laughs> hey, Ken. <laughs> you, you, you want my honest opinion? Yes, on I do. Local. We yes, we it. do. Number one, you need to get over the false paradigm that there's a difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. Mm. Okay. Now, at the ground level, Ouch. at the ground level. Believe me, I'm here to tell you. Yeah. At, at the grassroots level, the Republican Party is made up of some really great conservative people. Many of them are Christians. Uh, okay, so, but that's at the grassroots le- grassroots level. But the problem is that the Republican Party leadership is every bit as corrupt as the Democratic Party leadership, except mm. for the fact that they are actually worse because they're better liars. Oh, what Republicans are? Absolutely. Because wow. when you vote for a Republican, what do you think you're getting? Limited government, You're, of course. Conservative. Everybody, th- end, yeah. everybody thinks yeah. that. Right. Okay, yeah. and it's just patently false. Wow, wow. You know, you just ruined my day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ken. I ruin a lot of people's day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think it's was, it was Math- yeah Matthew Trella. I think is his name. Uh-huh. Uh, Apologia Radio did a, a end abortion now live stream and he was talking about this and he said listen out of all the politicians that we've selected in office republicans have been in office since uh roe v wade has passed and what have what have they done to actually end it said in this city as a mayor we're not doing it you know what congress can end that end that problem with one vote because the constitution gives them the authority to limit the topics on which the courts can discuss anything wow 
Did you know that? No. No. I no. do now. They can establish the jurisdiction of the court. And how how long have we had a Republican Congress? Have we ever had one? Too long. Oh, we we yeah. did. We did. Too <laughs> oh, long. Imagine when, that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When George Bush was in his first term in the last two years, he had the House, a Republican House, and a Republican Senate. And let's not forget that Newt Gingrich had it for a number of years and his contract with America, which right. did absolutely nothing. Nothing. Right. So, so what would they actually vote on? So they would vote on... They would just simply say, the Congress could simply say that abortion, for example, or marriage, or any other controversial topic, yeah. is... Not to be heard by any court. Doesn't doesn't fall under a court's jurisdiction. That's right. They wow. can't rule on it. Yeah. Can't hear wow. the case. What? Yeah. Wow. Gabe, you were talking about education. Do you, uh, yeah. Can I say one more thing about this? Or do you, yeah. Time? No. No. So you were talking about you know the education system is part of this. The whole like what's the quote? unaware Un- and compliant Un- yeah. citizenry. Compliant. Well, citizenry. they got it. And you said you said education. I was talking to a girl this week who's a student at the U of I. Um, in, in, a, in a class there where the teacher is very, very intensely hostile uh, mm. to anything that smells a whiff like Christianity. Yeah. Uh, she better leave planet Earth then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she's teaching um, American literature. And so in early American literature, you've got all this stuff. And she's yeah. just using everything to just, you know, nuke anything that that sounds like christianity right um you know just sort of the polar opposite of i mean even if there's some romanticized versions of it in the christian circles she still doesn't want it (laughs) it's 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 all the way the other extreme and and um but it's it's funny because she's like um i want you to think about this you know i want us to have a conversation i want but but like one-sided conversation but but like i talk you listen yeah it's like the the fire hose is on. It's like, let's yeah. have a conversation. Right. You know, yeah. and you can't breathe. It's like you're getting waterboarded. Yeah. Which means that they're not actually being taught to think. Right. No, no, no. Right. Because thinking means asking questions and arguing, trying to see the other side, trying to understand the other side, and actually, you know, thinking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But this is not thinking. It's, it's actually indoctrinating. You eat right. it. It, yeah, yeah. And we are taught not to think. Right. Yes. yes. Active, actively. Yeah. Yeah. Active, oh, yeah. yeah. And we're, we're seeing evidence of that in the email. Right. right. So this, <laughs> this is how we get an unaware and compliant citizenry. Is citizenry? I'm not even the one with the beer. I can't talk. <laughs> uh, I, I've got water. Um, but that's that's what that's that's what that comes from. And I think um, so. Let's move on to the to the next Wait, article. Before we do, do, you want to do okay, no. Before we do, I, no, I have to. I thought that was a great point, and I'm like, no, all right, and, and David, what, David, Chocolate Knox can't top Knox. that. He can't top that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can because there's one thing I want to say, and this is where Pastor Toby's going to come back in. So I'm going to let you finish drinking your water. What is the answer? And we got Ken here too. So we know now that we're working that they have helped indoctrinate a group of people to not think. To be unaware and to like it. Yeah, be sheep. To be sheep. And now we are, aware, we are aware that this is happening. What do we do? I remember, I can tell you, let me give you a personal, personal example. Please when do. I was in, uh, I went to a Christian um, private school for grammar school up until about the sixth grade. And um, after that, I started a junior high school. And um, I came home one day from a social studies class. And I was touting the, I was touting Russian socialism to my dad. <laughs> And oh, no, seriously, he said, because, you know, they get free health care, they get free uh, wow. this, free that, and it's just hunky-dory. And my dad sat me down and basically clobbered me with the truth. Uh. Okay, he's had he took the time to debunk and debrief what I had gone through during the school day. Yeah. yeah. And I never forgot that. 
Yeah. Now, with my kids, my kids, all three of them are homeschooled, and they will be right up until the time they enter college. Yeah. They'll enter college early. Uh, my first two did at 16. Mm. But Way to go, Dad. But, um, you know, we took the time to make sure that their curricula was reflective of our values. Mm -hmm. Okay? And we always question. And I teach my kids, I, you, you know, question authority. Question it. I don't care if it's the cop. I don't care if it's your teacher. I don't care if it's your pastor. If you don't know the truth, yeah. and then you're not going to know if somebody's given you the nonsense. Mm -hmm. yeah. I tell okay. my kids to do the same thing except for the cop part. I don't know if you notice I'm black. We don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't get that luxury to question the police I, officer. I'm a cop and I'm not armed. I'll assume the position. You know, you know that uh, Idaho, Idaho has a statute. You cannot drink and talk. <laughs> No, but go ahead. No, you were saying that. So you, well, you teach parents, your kids. Parents but, have to take the time. But we have a group of people out here that are not taught that way. And <laughs> a lot of sheep yeah. are well, falling into the well, hole. Okay. Let me tell you another problem. And, and I want some I'm, answers. I'm not, I'm not going to. The answers are people have to resist. And I'm going to, mm. I'm going to talk to pastors Except here for officer. a minute. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I like we, you. Can, we can talk about that. Yes. People have to learn to resist. And one of the one of the groups of people that I think can take a large share of the finger pointing at uh, in the in the dumbing down of um, the American uh, population are pastors. No offense. Mm. Most of them no. will sit up there at the pulpit. They will refuse to talk about anything controversial Ooh. because it's nickels and noses. And if they and if they wind up ticking somebody off, and that guy's tithes go out the door. Yeah. That's all they think about. Yeah. Now, I have been to only, I'm not a church hopper. I've been to three churches since I've lived here. Uh, and um, the first church I went to was kind of that way. It was very milk toasty. I'm not going to tell you who it was or anything because I don't want to get anybody names, trouble. Names, <laughs> names. It's okay. I'll tell you the good ones. Okay. <laughs> um, we then started attending a Calvary church up in Post Falls, and that was awesome. That pastor taught verse by verse. He confronted the con controversial topics. Yeah. It what didn't matter if it was sex, tithing, whatever. Right. It's in the it's in God's word. Gonna You're going to read it. You know, he says, "Don't blame me, people. It's right, right here." Okay, yeah. that yeah. was okay. And the church I go to now. Now the upstart of this church is the the upshot is that he's a non five hundred one c three church. So he is not afraid to speak out. Yeah. Yeah. And right. believe me, if something comes up on Sunday regarding abortion or about moral choices that you're making, we're going to hear about it. Yeah. 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 Kane, you're right. You're absolutely right. If pastors would stand up, yeah. okay, and be like the Black Robe Regiment mm. back in the Ooh, revolution, you know about days, the Black Robe. I absolutely wow. do. Uh, that we would not be in the pickle that we're in today. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and and that's the pattern you see in Scripture. I mean, what what do the prophets do? They stand up to the kings, to the people. They stand up to, to the, and they, they bring the word of God to the people. And it's and it and I remember talking to a guy who. Uh, I mean, we're a fairly traditional church. We we follow a pretty traditional liturgy, um, and and we have scripture readings, and and then and then the and then the sermon for the day, and uh, and and I had this guy come to church one time, and he said, "I grew up in a in a really, uh, really traditional Lutheran church. We had the scripture readings, and then the pastor would get up and he would he would talk about his week." Like he would yeah. talk about like what he did that week. Yeah. Oh, story time. He would tell stories. And he said, and it never had anything to do with what the, what the readings were before. And he says, but you actually get up and you actually talk about the readings 
<laughs> explain them to us, and then you apply them to our life and to our world. What a novel idea is and, that? And I, I was just like shaking my like, really? Like that's what you did? He says, yeah, I never. I went to church, and like he would just talk about like like what he did that week. Wow. And that's common. That's actually that's, common. I think that's more common than most people think. Wow. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Or, you know, you'll get the John 3.16 message day after day after day right, after day. Right. It's just the covenant. Nothing, Jesus, nothing about but, repentance yeah. or nothing about the consequences of sin. Yeah. Right. So that, that takes us to Joel McDermott's. Yeah, that was our talk. Yeah. Like restitution. And, well, and he yeah. just said, yeah, I like we, that. we I have like enough that. sermons on justification by faith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, we have enough. I on, question that, but yeah, yeah. I would say that differently. I, I would yeah. say it differently. Right, right, but yeah. right. But I, he's, but he's, trying to, he's trying to poke people in the eye. What but, he's trying yeah, to say yeah, is right, think, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. my my grandma, God bless her, dear old Baptist lady, taught Sunday school for many many years and so on. But I think you know, every time we visited and went to her church, you know, it was it was the same message. You know, it, it was the come to Jesus, uh, you know, come down front. You know, that that was it. And and yeah, not a, anything about you know. So how does how does Jesus affect, you know, your finances? How does Jesus affect education? How does Jesus affect how city council runs? Yeah, Should, right, is, I mean, right. if he's Lord of everything, then he's Lord of that. And we're going to talk about that some more with Ken DeVries when we come back on Cross Politic. Hear about what he's doing here in Idaho and uh, see if we can't save this world. A little more with Cross Politic Radio next. Canon Press is a publishing house located in Moscow, Idaho. Canon Press, we create and provide products that sketch a vision of the whole life, a whole culture, a life full of beauty, tradition, education, community, laughter, and celebration, unashamed of Christ, and sharply at odds with the values of modernity, a mature culture with the church at the center, living out the good life, one family at a time. We believe our book, audio, and visual selections reflect this exciting life that God has given us under the sun. As the wisest man said, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Canonpress.com. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world. Not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college, to equip students with the tools to build and fight. And this is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, check us out online at nsa.edu forward slash explore. Folks, thank you for uh, coming, uh, joining us at Cross Politics. Thank you for uh, listening to our show. Uh, for this segment, we have a special guest, uh, Russ Fulcher, down in uh, the Boise area, southern Idaho. And uh, thank you for joining us, Russ. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And so just to kind of give an introduction for, for Russ, he uh, is uh, you actually grew up in the Boise area, went to Med uh, Meridian High School. You earned your bachelor's and master's degrees at Boise State. Um, unfortunately, I'm a vandal, so we, we already have a little contention here. <laughs> oh, it's all friendly. It's all friendly. <laughs> during, uh, and during your 24 years in the technology sector, um, you worked for, well, let's say, Micron. What, where else did you work in the technology sector? Micron Technology, Preco mm -hmm. Electronics. Those were the two companies mm -hmm. that uh, I worked for, both Idaho-based tech companies. Yeah. Very good. My my dad was uh, uh, he worked in the semiconductor business for gosh thirty thirty years. He started off at Text Instruments and then ended up uh, um, for Hyundai Semiconductors up in the Northwest. That's what that's what actually brought us to the Northwest. So I'm very familiar with kind of Micron and 
and sure. uh, what you were sure. doing there. So, and then you also ran uh, against the incumbent Butch Otter in 2014, and you narrowly lost um, uh, that uh, primary. So I did. I, I actually logged 10 years in the Idaho Senate first, so it wasn't completely a dry run. But right. uh, but that was what was the precursor to the gubernatorial run, uh, Gabriel and Toby. Yeah. So what what got you into politics what were you on some drugs what what got you into <laughs> politics in the first place <laughs> you being in a, semi- a, a, a mental lapse that lasted about 10 years <laughs> uh, you know it, it, it well i'll tell you uh, first of all i've got uh, some some very very uh, established and uh, uh wonderful parents who 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 implanted in me the importance of government and uh, the foundational the foundational strength that our our founding fathers had and and what they built this nation on and from a very young person I was I was uh, trained so to speak to to uh, to watch out for deviations from that founding those founding principles. And as a young man, I, I, I got uh, in high school. Actually, I was uh, part of the Boys Nation, uh, Boys State, Boys Nation program. If you remember those days, at that time the American Legion sponsored it, and it was a government, a mock government uh, huh. uh, uh, system for for high school boys. Wow. Yeah, the same thing for uh, girls, uh, girls state, girls nation. But uh, uh, long story short, uh, that kind of further grew that seed of interest in my my life and so i i was involved with that went back to washington dc interned for a u.s senator there in uh uh while i was in college then uh, uh i took some time off to go make some money and have a family and get married and all that kind of thing and that was uh that was a real blessing and then it was 2005 a state senator actually resigned midterm and i was appointed to finish his term and that led to Another years. five elections yeah. and ten years in the in the state senate and in a leadership role there wow. as caucus chair and ultimately uh, the the run for governor in 2014. Russ, what are what are some of the what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned over the last um, you know ten plus years now uh, being involved in state politics? I mean, what, what would you look back and say these are these are the big lessons I've learned? Well, Toby, uh, we could probably do several shows on that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe the best way to say it is always is not as it seems. The decisions that get made, the directions that we take, uh, the leadership that that we have in the state and the nation, I would argue, are, are not the people that you may think they are. And the process is not uh, as you may think that it is. The decisions are actually made to a large extent by by people that you never see and that you never hear of. Hmm. And, uh, uh, those are, or, are, and, and by the way, I'm not necessarily arguing that this is always bad. Okay. But, sure. but it's, it's just not as it seems. And, and, uh, there are very, very powerful uh, entities that, uh, typically have to do with, with economics, typically have to do with strong interests with, uh, uh, state taxpayer dollars that are very active behind the scenes and uh, uh they're the ones who who largely make the decisions at least with our current and, and and recent leadership within the state of idaho 
and I can give you a number of examples of that. Yeah, I was going to say, can you can you give us like can you give us like one practical example, just so we kind of know what, what sure. that looks like? Sure, uh, we have a health exchange in uh, the state of Idaho that uh, that complies with Obamacare to a large extent because of the insurance industry, hmm. and uh, uh, the the insurance industry saw an opportunity to have what they sell as mandated. And, uh, sure, and they yeah. jumped on that in a way that, that, uh, that I have never seen in 10 years and put forth such an incredible effort to, uh, to get that done. Yeah. Uh, the state of Idaho actually complied with, uh, with Obamacare back in 2011 as a result of that. Right now I've, I've thought about this actually, me and Toby were talking about this offline before, um, uh, interviewing you. And if I was governor, I don't know, I'm against Obamacare for sure. And those kind of federal mandates, big time. But at the same time, I don't know what I would have done. Would I? Would I would have like taken initiative and said, okay, well, if we're gonna have Obamacare, it might as well be state run, or kind of throw it back to the feds and then let them run it in my state. I maybe those are maybe, maybe those are the wrong ways of pitting the issues, but I I don't know what I would have done there. Well, and, and uh, that was the argument, Gabriel. Uh, the reality was that was never the decision. That was what was posed to the public, and so mm-hmm. that sounded pretty good. And and uh, eventually, that's what the state of Idaho did was follow that narrative. But yeah. but it really wasn't a decision: is it state run or is it um, federally run? run? Uh-huh. The real decision point was: was it going to be a federal exchange? that was operated by federal employees or was it going to be a federal exchange that was operated by state employees? Because it's, it's the same thing. It's a yeah. federal, it's a federally run program. And I would argue that it was actually worse that the state, uh, uh pulls the trigger because now it's the state's responsibility to impose those laws on its own. Hmm. And, uh, the alternative hmm. was, hmm and I believe still is, is to create a parallel path, if you will, to create a private option, to create a, a, a series of things that are privately driven in the form of health exchanges and in healthcare memberships and yeah. uh, uh, a number of, of alternatives, uh, private clinics yeah. that, uh, that could create that network and that alternative to the Obamacare exchange. Let the, if the feds want to do that, let them go ahead and do it. Uh, in the meantime, let's go create a better alternative. People will migrate to the better alternative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm on um, Christian healthcare ministries. I don't know if you're familiar with kind of like good Samaritan. Sure, I am. And, and that's another, that's another yeah. one of those ingredients that could be offered. Yeah. And it's been, it's been a huge blessing in my family to actually be on this, in this be part of this network. And people are praying for one another. People actually know your problems. And the network is actually, they're very involved with what your problems are and not just throwing money at the issue. And it causes right. me to make my, my decision, my healthcare decisions have been vastly different since I've been in part of this network. Yeah, and there's, there's, a, there's a prime example of the power of the decisions being in your hands instead of a third mm-hmm. party's yeah. hands. When, when you leave those decisions in the hands of an insurance carrier or a, uh, a third party provider, then the, the decisions simply aren't going to be the same. And you're going to, you're going to uh, do uh, more potentially unnecessary things because quote unquote, somebody else is paying for yeah, it. Right. And, and it just doesn't work out to be yeah. the, the best move. Russ, behind 
kind of lurking behind some of this is the whole question about the relationship between states and the federal government. Um, what, what, you know, as you've, if you, you know, worked in politics and, you know, I mean, even as a young boy, know, you know, knowing the way that our, our founding fathers set up this nation and given how things have developed over the last couple of centuries, what, what is your view on the relationship between states and federal government as it stands today? It's reversed over time, Toby. What's what's happened is um, most people don't even know that the federal government was created to serve the states, not the other way around. And as time has progressed, uh, the federal government in, in the United States of America has followed the pattern of uh, world powers throughout history and, and just gradually usurped more and more control. And, and there is no better example of that than in the state of Idaho. And in the state of Idaho, it's all all has to do with uh, uh, the root of it. Anyway, has to do with who controls the lands within our state. Hmm. A lot of people don't realize that 62% of the of the land within the state of Idaho is federally owned, federally controlled. Wow! And uh, you look at the eastern states; that doesn't. It's not the case at all. I mean, any state that's east of Colorado has almost no federal land. But yet the states in the West that were later to come into the Union are mostly federally controlled. And so as a result of that, uh, we don't have control of our own destiny because your land, your resource base, is your wealth. Right. And so uh, you take you take 62% of the wealth off the table to begin with, and then you add uh, uh, more restrictions to that wealth with uh, in the form, say, of a, the Endangered Species Act, for example. Mm. Well, you can't do this with the land because it might hurt slick spot peppergrass. You can't do this because it could hurt the wolf population. You can't do this because it may damage the spotted owl hair, uh, habitat or whatever. Right. Well, the next thing you know, you've you've limited the people's access to their own wealth. And but the federal government will say, but that's okay, that's okay, uh, don't worry about it. We're going to offset that with this little thing called PILT. PILT is an acronym for payment in lieu of taxes. Because the federal government controls most of our land, we can't tax it and can't really use it for the most part for, for any kind of economic purpose. We actually get federal subsidies. Right. And that may sound okay on the surface, but uh, what happens when we get a federal subsidy is every time you get a subsidy, there's strings attached. And right. You have to obey the rules of who provides a subsidy. Right. So unfortunately, the federal government controls the state of Idaho in, in a huge way. Uh, more than 36% of all the, the state budget wow. comes as subsidies from a, from a federal government. Wow. Not, they're not only broke, but they're broken. Wow. Right. And so don't, don't we end up using a lot of that subsidy to fight the forest fires <laughs> that, that are created? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it turns into a, it's a very good observation. It turns into a lose-lose scenario. So then we, we don't manage things like our timber, and it becomes diseased. It becomes uh, riddled with undergrowth. It's, it's tender for uh, lightning strikes or whatever. Yeah. And then the next thing you know is we're spending state and federal taxpayer dollars to, to fight something. And uh, the discharge in the, uh, the carbon footprint from a massive wildfire will emit, uh, you know, uh, uh, as much, if not more, carbon into the atmosphere as uh, all the all the automobiles in the nation over the course of a year with just right. one big wildfire. So huh. it's really a lose-lose situation. So, so the, you know, obvious question, somebody who's thought about running for governor, not just thought about it, did it, uh, um, 
on your list of things, so, so you, you see this as a problem, obviously. Um, one of the things Gabriel and I have talked a little bit about is just figuring out, like, like even like where do you start? Like, this seems like such a, a massive mess um, uh, of entanglements and so on. Like, where do you start if you if you believe uh, in um, in in the sovereignty of a state? Um, how do you start to reassert that in a, in a realistic way, I guess, you know, without being sort of a, um, a, a you know, I mean, you can say some really radical sounding things that probably won't get you anywhere, but, but how do you actually yeah. work towards that in a, in a honest, faithful way? There's actually good news there. And, uh, and a lot of it is starting to be done for us. And, uh, let me explain that. Uh, I think economically, the single biggest issue uh, over time in the state of Idaho, and for any state for that matter, when it comes to sovereignty, economic control, or prosperity, because they're all related, is who controls the resources. And, and uh, uh, so in order to, to control your destiny, get, get access to prosperity, you, you have to eventually put some wise management, and I do mean management, not sale, not uh, uh, unwise management, but you have to wisely manage the resource base that you have. And uh, there's actually some very good news on this front, and it's not going to surprise you how it's coming about, because it all has to do with money. Hmm. For every dollar that Idaho pays into the federal government, we get somewhere around a dollar thirty-six back because of those tilt subsidies that I was explaining earlier. Right. Well, guess what? The eastern states, for the most part, with no federal land, are subsidizing us. And they're starting to figure out that, <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Uh, how come our federal tax dollars are going to Idaho when we're $19 trillion in debt? And that's starting to, well, I'll, I won't use any crass terminology, but make them angry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that one of the best things that we can do is just uh, continually remind New Hampshire, Connecticut, New York, uh, Florida, uh, New Jersey, so on. Hey, guys, thanks for the subsidy. Um, <laughs> glad everything is so well in your neck of the woods that you get to send us your uh, your, money. your, uh, your federal money and, uh, you know, uh, keep it coming. Why don't, you, why don't you just amp it up just a little bit yeah. and let them go fight that battle uh, it, because things are not all rosy in those states. They have their own fiscal challenges, and they're starting to figure out that, Hey, wait a minute here. Um, uh, how come these guys in the West are subsidized? Let them take care of themselves. Well, that's my point. Huh. And so, uh, a lot, and there's other things going on too. The, there's, there's uh, action in Congress to do, uh, pilot programs for, uh, the states to start, uh, to, to do a, uh, manage certain parts of their own, the lands within their, there are territories. There's there's some legal action. A a group of states led by the state of Utah uh, to to take legal action, uh, basically on a uh, on a discrimination basis because the western states came into the same uh, came into the union under the same constitution that the eastern states did, but the eastern states keep their land, the western states don't. So uh, there's a number of efforts going on, all of which have some realism. And frankly, I think it's a matter of time before it happens. So your focus on that question is definitely focusing on more of the economic side of things. But for you know Christian sure. conservatives, what about the social side of things, which we see as kind of the bedrock for a lot of our decline in the first place? 
The two, yeah, that's a very good point. And the two issues are directly tied. Sure. Uh, sure. It's difficult. It's difficult to, to create an environment or, or nurture an environment that, uh, that is socially conservative when you're following the rules of a liberal, a liberal master. Right. Yeah. And so they, they so, come, yeah. they come hand in hand. And so, uh, one of the things that, that frustrated me that, I learned and, and came to appreciate in my later years in the Senate was, wait a minute, we, we are so subject to the federal government. I would go into a legislative session, gentlemen, and uh, instead of having an agenda or, or, or driving a set of legislation or, for that matter, uh, identifying things to eliminate from statute in the state of Idaho like I would argue that the Idaho legislature should should do and should have done. We we would simply be our, our plate would be so full reacting yeah. to what the federal government was mandating. We didn't have time to govern on our own. Mm-hmm. And that was because of that dependence on the federal government. And uh, so uh, the the two come hand in hand. And so for those of us who are are believers. Uh, if if we're going to control our own decisions and set the and and influence the the social culture, we have to be in charge of our own economic destiny. And so those two issues are, are directly tied. But but it, the the social argument is much more difficult to have with Washington D.C. than the economic argument. Yeah. Uh, for a whole host of reasons, right. you may imagine. Yeah. What well, um. One of those issues, obviously, has been the whole abortion um, issue. I saw this morning on the news that uh, the Supreme Court struck down uh, abortion law in Texas. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on on just on that particular issue and state versus federal uh, authority there? Well, boy, there's another there's another topic that we could spend about a week on. Yeah. Um, but here's there's the clash of of cultures that ultimately is the is the battle that we face. There's two lenses that people look at the world. There's a there's a Christian worldview, which is the worldview that our nation was founded under, and uh, a worldview of of law where it's biblical tenets that are the the basis for that. And then uh, and also a a constitution that is static, right. doesn't change. Right. Uh, that's all part of the Christian worldview versus a, a, a secular worldview that has been embraced more and more over time where, yeah, there is law, but it's based on a a variable basis, based on a constitution that, that is interpreted over time in different ways. And there really is no biblical foundation or, or, or any static foundation of any kind. So with that, with the latter, with the secular worldview, you can justify just about anything. Right. And, uh, uh, and that's what's happened in the abortion culture is, is, uh, well, uh, for some, uh, who are who don't have the same value system or the 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 importance value the importance of life 
as the Christian, those who look at the world through a Christian worldview, for them, well, it's convenient, uh, it's my right, it's, uh, uh, they, they use the word choice because they don't like the word death. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and so they'll argue that this is something that I need to be able to do. Um, I, and that's all part of that. It's all part of that, uh, that different lens of people look at the world through is a, a Christian versus a, a secular worldview. And, and that's the clash of cultures. And, and here's, here's where I think a real state's rights play could be really effective. I'm, I'm, I would love to see, um, abortion become illegal federally. And I think that's something that we should be pushed for. But I also think kind of a state's rights play here would be, hey, you know, Idaho is going to be a pro-life state. Um, we, uh, you know, abortion's illegal here. And, and then let Washington um, have be a pro-choice state and let the cultures, those two cultures, contrast each other over the next 25 years. And, I, and I, I, the fruit is w- would be very apparent. And if, a, if, if we were able to just do what Colorado and in the state of Washington are doing with the marijuana laws, they're, they're basically kind of nullifying they're, federal yeah. laws. Yeah. They're like, whatever for, for ganja for, for a high, but we, for some reason, um, we refuse to play that game with where it really counts with abortion. As you teed up that topic, that was the example that was coming into my mind. There was, there's another prevalent one. It's immigration. Uh, right. Yeah. The federal government uh, is ignoring its own laws in Arizona and New Mexico, so these border states, right. uh, with immigration and, and selectively enforcing only the ones that they want to enforce, not what's on the books. And, and so it is a good point. Uh, but, you know, <clears throat> here a few years ago, Arizona took a, a, a stand that, hey, look, since the federal government's not going to enforce immigration laws, we're going to. And uh, that did wind up going to court, and they, they lost a part of that argument. They also won a part of that argument. And, and I think what you bring up, Gabriel, is a very good point. Uh, it, it's going to take some leadership from the states. It's going to take some challenges from the states. Uh, Texas is uh, is putting one of those out yep. there, Governor Abbott. Yep. And uh, frankly, there's only a handful of states that I think uh, still have the demographic that uh, can pull some of that off. Texas is one of them. Idaho is one of them because yep. we have mm-hmm. a we have a a uh, a population. We have a constituency in our states uh, of enough people who still have the common sense and the reverence for the the constitution in a way that says hey wait a minute uh, this is things have gotten so crazy and uh the federal government is so far off the rails right that darn right the state needs to stand up here okay because if they don't who else is going to and uh texas has shown some signs of that i think there's the potential of doing that in idaho as well yeah i i think i'd agree with you there for sure i was actually born and raised in texas as i mentioned off offline i'm not gonna <laughs> he's, he's cheering let over me remind rest. you <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's waving a flag right now <laughs> um but well, uh, <laughs> yeah and, and i uh, you know, but you could contrast that, for example, with a state like California, where oh, yeah. the immigration population is so large, or uh, or 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 New York, where where the uh, the social culture has has shifted so far left. No way, sure, is anything going to be driven like that in those states. And uh, yeah. uh, but in Idaho, that that 
that constituency is still of a makeup where you can make headway. And, uh, and so I think that's what needs to be happening. If we're going to have change, significant change in today's environment, political environment within America, it will come from the states, not out of Washington, D.C. Yeah, I totally agree. And I want to push you just a little further on that. As if, if you're a governor, how, um, how could you push the issue of states' rights taking control over the pro-life movement? In other words, you know, they, they put it to vote in Colorado and Washington for the marijuana laws and the people passed it. Um, couldn't we just, just put it to vote and say, Hey, we're going to be a pro-life state. And then that's that. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's called the 10th amendment of the, uh, right. of the U S constitution. Right. right. And it's, it's the assertion of those rights. And so I think it's not only, it's not only the, uh, 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 the privilege of a governor to do that it's the obligation in a lot of cases for their for the sake of the of the people that they serve right. now having said that you know you know that you're going to create conflict you know that uh, there's likely to be legal battles and and of course in the case of Idaho you know that the federal government is going to hold that 36% of the money that runs your state over your head right, and right. beat you about the head because that all goes back to the earlier conversation. This is all a circular uh, yep, uh, yep. a circular conversation that ties together. Yep. They will do that, and that's they, that's called control, and that's another reason why we need to, or bribery. Need to control <laughs> our own resources. But you still have to fight those battles. You pick them wisely. Uh, you pick your battles. You, you don't. Uh, you don't try to revolt on every single thing. But you sure. you pick them very slowly and strategically. You ground yourself in uh, Tenth Amendment uh, uh, sovereignty uh, and and legal protection, and then you proceed accordingly. I, I'm a I'm a pastor, Russ. I don't know if I said that at the beginning. So I, you know, all a lot of my um, categories. I go I go straight to. Um, particular scenes in the Bible where, you know, you have, um, you know, both, both, you know, uh, blessing and cursing going on. So, you know, you've got, uh, stories of, of godly leaders. Um, think of, you know, people like King David and, um, and, and so on. You've got other scenarios like Daniel and Babylon and, you know, his three buddies and, you know, they're, they're working for the good of, of this pagan empire. And at the same time, there's places where, uh, you know, the, the pagan empire says we're going to do, you know, something horrific, you know, we're only going to pray to the, the emperor. We're only going to bow down to the statue or whatever. And Daniel and his three friends are just like, you know, why don't you come over here and make us <laughs> and, um, and recognizing that, you know, that, uh, so, and I'm assuming that they're picking their battles too. So they're, you know, they're not, they're not fighting over every last little thing, but there's places where they recognize, no, we fear God. We're going to do this. Um, come what may, you know, throw us in the fiery furnace, uh, throw us to the lions, whatever. Um, I mean, it, it, it seems like we're at a point where, even though I know it, it, it seems it, it can sound, you know, crazy <laughs> right wing radical, whatever. Um, th there's still places where, uh, you know, Bible believing godly, uh, politicians now have to begin to draw lines and say, look, uh, I, come what may not going to do that. You know, you know, come, come, come get me. Um, and I was just talking to my kids the other day about the whole, uh, um, the military, uh, 
uh, bill that was just passed where, you know, uh, folded into that, that Senate bill was the, uh, extending the draft to women. Um, and, and I'm saying, you know, we're not, we're not going to do that. You know, that like they, it's, um, it's wrong. And, um, and telling my girls, you're not, you're not going <laughs> to register for the draft. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to sit here smiling and I'm going to do it respectfully. Um, but not going to obey you, you know? Yeah. You're going to be forced with that. Um, Toby and, uh, and so am I. And, uh, there's, there's real life examples of where that's already underway. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I'll use, I'll use one, one, uh, recent example. I think the, in our neighboring state of Oregon, the ranchers took the wrong approach. Uh, but nevertheless, they took the wrong approach in, uh, in, in arguing in opposition to the federal, uh, the heavy hand of the federal government over their land. Yeah. And, uh, uh, although the approach was wrong, it ultimately resulted in a crushing, uh, uh the heavy hand handedness of the federal government came down in a crushing way and, uh, resulted in, in death for, right. for one of these guys. Now, right. Uh, not gonna, not gonna defend them for their methods, uh, but I'm talking about the ranchers, but by the same token, they certainly didn't deserve, uh, the, the, the prison terms that they got and, and then the case of, uh, Finnegan death. I mean, it's, it's just right. not simply, it's not worthy of that. Okay. Right. Right. Uh, and so there's one example, but you're, you're gonna see more on that, you know, with the, with the, uh, with the healthcare mandate. And the mandatory abortifacients as part of the Obamacare deal. You 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 know about Hobby Lobby and uh, right. Chick Fil A and the struggles they've had. But you know what? They stood up. Yeah. And uh, and and so far have prevailed more than that. And and we're going to be tested. Yeah. You're going to be tested when your daughter is draft age. You're going to be tested. How, what are you going to do uh, if if I do run for office again uh, and I succeed? I'm going to be tested. Yeah. God acts based on the faithfulness of his people, okay? And so regardless of who was king back in biblical days uh, or not in the days of the judges or, or regardless of who is president of the United States, God still acts based on the faithfulness of his people. That's why ultimately the governance is through the churches. But ultimately the governance is through the uh, faithfulness of the people of this of this nation, and uh, and so the work of the church and uh, the work of those that are faithful is so critically important that uh, you know we have this this mindset that well we have to we have to run everything through the government. No, not at all. In fact, the, the pendulum has sunk way too far. Uh, the, the the churches need to be taking control of a lot of these these things. The churches need to be. More, uh, uh, reclaiming some of that territory of, for things cut like uh, indigent care yeah. and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, my mother and is still alive. My father died a few months ago here, but my, mm. uh, my mother is still alive, and, and she reminds me, and my father reminded me uh, during my gubernatorial race, Russ, you got to understand, we lived at a time when there was no health and welfare, okay? Right. That was all handled by the families. That was all handled by the churches, by the communities. And not necessarily the churches as well, but by, by uh, community clubs. And sure. You took care of your own. And uh, uh, was it perfect? No. But is it perfect now with, uh, you know, this 
massive Medicare Medicaid debt? No, it, yeah. it's it's worse. I would argue. Yeah. So. Anyway, a, a huge topic, but yeah, yeah, God yeah. acts based on the faithfulness of these people, and as long as we are, are faithful, and uh, and there's enough uh, of that that faith that's being uh, uh, that's being called upon uh, through prayer and and through uh, reverence to God's standards, we'll be blessed. Yeah. And the more we turn away from that, we will not be blessed, and we will deal with the fallout. Of our own lack of faith, and that's that's what's happened in a lot of ways, and and uh, America is being tested. It, it, and, and will people get on their knees and uh, and and be reverent to what's the foundational purpose of this nation and foundation founding, or or not? What? Um, th- thanks. That's, I, I know I'm. I'm. We're, we're lobbing big, massive things at you and we're trying uh, to be unfair <laughs> you're you're uh you're, you're very gracious and, and really pre- appreciate your your thoughtful answers here w- one more um uh just maybe maybe similar in some ways but just curious what you would say um what difference does it make for you uh, what difference would it make for you if you if you were if you were governor um or just even as a, a state senator what what difference does it make for you um, that Jesus died, rose again, ascended into heaven, and sits at the Father's right hand. What what, what difference does that make for you? Uh, that, that's, there's my there's my there's my insurance plan. Okay, uh, it's not Obamacare. I mean, old, I have the ultimate insurance. I know what's going to happen. I know the end game. I know the scoreboard. Okay, and and I know ultimately where this goes. And so that provides that provides incredible comfort. But also with that, if you if you believe in what you just said, which I do, um, you also have to believe the rest of the doctrine and the rest of the scripture around that, which includes we are to occupy until he comes. Yeah. And so yeah, it, it comes it comes as a package. Yeah. And so uh I happen to be in a position where um, I've been blessed with a little bit of influence and, and possibly uh, the, the potential to to be one of those that helps occupy, and uh, and, and that's that's something that if if I am called to do that, then I need to do that, and uh, and if not, then I need to support those who are, and so. Um, it it's the ultimate insurance policy and it's the it's the guts of the doctrine that that dictates how our our governance should be and i would also argue gabriel and toby it is the belief that the founders of this nation had and uh those who structured the system that uh that we have been blessed with that's why america has generated more prosperity than every other civilization in the history of the world combined. Mm-hmm. It's because it was based on a biblical foundation with biblical rules, standards, and at least to some degree, those have been followed. The further away we stray from it, the less prosperous we will be, uh, the more chaos there will be. The closer we get to it, the better things will be. Um, let me let me wrap up with this this question. Um, for those, you know, it seems like uh, I think 
we a lot of us have a defeatist mentality about politics uh you know our vote doesn't count um or we're down to hillary and trump you know lose lose um you know and then we're in this county latah county or we're in you know well, boise or or whatever and and we want to have we want to see things change and we want to have impact on politics how do we how do we where do we start to to where do we look what what are the things that we should be doing here in you know latah county a republic has or a successful functioning republic has a prerequisite and that prerequisite is that the the people are engaged and informed and uh, with with engaged and informed people hopefully that have some reverence for uh, biblical standards then things work without that prerequisite things don't work at least work well um, and so the 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 answer for the people of Lataw County is the same as it would be for Boundary County or Franklin County or Ada County or any other county or state and that is to be informed and engaged um, in in the the race that I had I made no secret about who I was what I stood for what was important to me and for a number of reasons, I got a very, very late start. Uh, I was only in the race for about seven months, and, and there were reasons for that. That wasn't the plan. But uh, I only I was only out there for seven months with very little money, really. I mean, uh, uh, comparatively speaking. Right. And uh, in that seven months came within uh, just a few thousand votes. Remember, there's 1.6 million people in the state of Idaho, and we were just a very, very, very close. Yeah, you were close. To yeah to prevailing in that race. That that tells us that uh, there certainly is hope um, for right. for those who 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 are in you know, a godly mindset with with uh, with that type of motive to be successful. Um, we did very well in Latah County, as I recall. Um, okay. So the roots are there. People and people realize that things uh, that things need to change. When, and, all right. uh, and so, and so there's, there is hope and there's answers for the struggles that we face that is, is just better off for everyone, whether you're a faith or not. When I, I interviewed, um, Ted Cruz, uh, a number of months ago. And one of the things he said in the interview was there was, I believe 54 million Christians who did not vote in the last presidential election. Now, I don't, I don't know how to verify that stat, but if that's true, that there's all these people sitting on the sidelines, not engaged. Um, well, I mean, we could have, we, we should, we, we could drastically be changing this, the scenery. Um, uh, if we were first, if, if Christians were participating, being active and actively voting, and then if they're active voting in the right ways, based off biblical conscience, um, you know, we our our decisions would not be Trump or Hillary at this point. <laughs> And, and I feel like, I think you kind of, you're kind of getting at it a little bit where it's like, if engagement, um, and, and not sitting on the sidelines for those who really should be leading society in the first place, that's occupying. Yeah. Occupying. Right. <laughs> I mean, if there's 54 million Christians that did not vote last election between Romney and Obama, I mean, that's in, incredible numbers for actually, um, having an impact. It's like the, the evangelical vote still matters, but only if we participate. It doesn't really matter anymore. We got Trump as a conservative nomination. 
So we've, here's here's a, here's a, a, a probably you're going to think is a really goofy response to that, but okay. um, my kids are older now. But when they were younger, we'd we'd try to take them to a movie periodically. There's a movie called Bugs Life came out back in the '90s, and uh, I remember that. Uh, yeah. There's there's nothing particularly special about that, but your your the scenario you just posted. Uh, pop that into my mind. Uh, in that movie, you may recall the grasshoppers were these. They were the the villains. They were the the uh, the rulers, and they would they would rule over the ants in a major way, and they were very abusive to them. And and there was this goofy little ant character called Flick, and he was kind of a, a little bit of a rebel. And the whole crux of the movie came up to one crescendo when uh, through the midst of this abuse. Uh, Flick stood up and said, hey, wait a minute, there's more of us than there are of them. And ultimately, in that goofy little movie, the the ants overran the the grasshoppers because they had the numbers. That's what Cruz was talking about. And that's what I would lift up to you and to your listening audience. There's more of us than there are of them. But if we don't engage, then shame on us. We get exactly what we deserve. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, for those who choose not to participate, uh, you will get what you deserve. But I would argue you have failed your obligation to occupy until it comes. So um, uh, once again, uh, it goes back to uh, is there a a faith base strong enough remaining within our state, within our nation, to – to right the ship, right. I would argue that there still is, but we have to pick up, we have to pick up our responsibilities and execute on them. Well, thanks Russ. so much, Ross. Yeah. Thanks, was, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. We really appreciate going uh, way over what we requested, and uh, we hope uh, that this is a benefit to our listeners. And, and we thank you for joining us on Cross Politic, Russ. My privilege. Wish the best to you and to your listening audience. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. Apologist. We interview the world's leading apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. Hank, there's a word in our culture that they don't like, and it's the word sin. What is sin? Sin is misunderstood in our culture because a lot of people think that when you're talking about sin, you're just talking about things that you do which are wrong. But sin is far more than that. If I see someone who has a need, and I have the capacity to meet that need, and I don't meet that need, that's sin as well. So there are sins of commission, and there are sins of omission, omitting to do that which you could when it's in your power to do it. But sin ultimately is that which is a break in fellowship between us and our Creator. And when that break in fellowship occurs, it affects every area of our lives. It affects how we relate to other people as well. Another misconception about sin, though, is that sin is something in and of itself. It's an ontological entity. It's a thing. But sin isn't that. Sin is the deprivation of good. And as a result of sin, again, there's a break in relationship with God, a break in relationship with others, and that's why we look forward to a time in which the problem of sin and Satan is forever done away with, and we live in a new heaven and a new earth, and we will forever be able not to sin. Mm.
Welcome back to Cross Politic, y'all. Thanks for listening again. Why are you doing that? Why are you <laughs> listening to us? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. We've had well, thousands of downloads whoa, since we started. Thousands. Really? It's, yeah. It's like three people doing it a bunch of times. <laughs> so, <laughs> listening with your cousin in the basement, like, download, download. Russ, <laughs> Russ Fulcher. Yes. Russ Fulcher, guys. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed that interview. Uh, I was, uh, that was really helpful. We, yeah. we did that a little while ago. A uh, couple months ago. But also thinking about I, I, the thing that stands out to me about that interview. Um, I remember us asking him specifically the question about, um, so we care about, you know, defunding Planned Parenthood and we care about yeah. defunding, uh, I mean, you know, let's get, let's get government out of the public schools. Let's get, let's let, let you know, that's the kind of thinking we have. Where do we start? Right. And in he, Idaho, you're going to have a tough time. Well, but the thing that he said is immediately, which I, I've never heard before. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a politician, I'm, uh, but you're a pastor. Uh, yeah, but it was really helpful. He said, "Where he says we've got to wean ourselves off of government subsidies." Absolutely. And he said the key place where we can begin to do that is with public lands. Absolutely. Public. Now lands. you're talking. He, he said that I didn't know the stats. Maybe you remember the stats. Drop but, a dime on the. But brother. he said that the, the percentage of the Idaho budget. That comes from the government sort of leasing our lands, or what you know, however it works. The way that you know they they stole our lands and then they kind of give us that some sounds money familiar for it. to to pay <laughs> for fires to put to, out. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah. But like that's a pretty big chunk of our Idaho budget. So well, let me so, let me give you some numbers. Yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Sixty, depending on who you talk to, you're going to have sixty-two to sixty-four percent of Idaho's land is occupied by the federal government. And notice, I did not say owned. Occupied. Okay. occupied. I call it occupied territory because. <laughs> If you look in Article 1, Section 8 of the United States Constitution, it, it clearly tells you what land the federal government can own. It can tell you what purpose for which it can own it, and it tells you how it can acquire it, and it's very strict. Hmm. Article 10, Section 4 of the Idaho Constitution clearly states that all territories and institutions of the territory of Idaho become the property of the state of Idaho when we become a state. That was back in 1889. What? Yeah, absolutely true. You can look it up for yourself. Wow. And in fact, on the federal side, we call it forts, ports, and 10 miles square. That's about what the federal government is entitled to own. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fort, wait, say it again. Forts, ports, ports. and 10 miles square. What that's that? how I basically remember What's it. What's the third part? 10 miles square is the area that encompasses Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. That's D.C. Okay. Oh. Very clearly spelled wow. out. Okay. Wow. Now, um, uh, n- North Dakota... Uh, and Idaho became a state, became states um, within about a year of each other. Okay. Federal land ownership in North Dakota is about 3.9%. In Idaho, it's about 63 or 64%. Wow. Why the difference? And you know what else? Here's another thing. Yeah. The enabling language for the two states is almost identical. Okay. Okay. So there's no legal reason huh. why we cannot do what North Dakota has done. Congress has to give us that land back. So, so, so North Dakota has slowly been taking their land back. No, they oh. they petitioned, and I, I don't know the time frame that they okay. got it all okay. back. Yeah. But basically, what happens is a territory deeds its land with a quit claim deed, and this is in our constitution, by the way. Okay. It's it's our constitution. We don't have an enabling act. We have 
our our constitution is our enabling act because we didn't have a specific enabling legislation. Congress approved our constitution as our enabling document. So huh. the the quit claiming of the territorial land back to the federal government and this is hap- this happens in real estate transactions all the time. Somebody's quit claims their interest to prevent a cloud on the title. The territory the territory that was the state of Idaho before it became a state quit claimed the land back to the federal government so that they could clear any title issues up with the land and then we would get the deeded land back to us under clear title from the federal government as a state. That's what that Hmm. language is intended to do. And you'll read the language that says, you know, the territory of Idaho forever quit claims, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and relinquishes any claim. But that's one legal entity to another, Mm -hmm. okay, strictly for the purposes of clearing title, okay? The federal government has no constitutional authority whatsoever to own our lands Mm -hmm. at all. There is no constitutional authority for national monuments, no constitutional authority for national parks, huh. national forests, or any other national anything. So, so what? By what right do they claim it? A good question. There is no right. <laughs> oh, oh, because they have because they have the power. That's right. You see, you see those air those planes they have those fighter jets. <laughs> and, and and people are people are ignorant about that now. Yeah. In re, in return for us not making a stink about our lands, yeah. what they do is they give us what's called pilt. Payment in lieu of taxes. Right. Okay? I remember, and I think Fulcher talked about that. Yeah. Russ knows this stuff. Yeah. I've known Russ for a number of years now, yeah. and, and I was his campaign manager in Benoit County, and we scored big for him up there. Yeah. And um, I can't wait till he gets in the governor's mansion, let me tell you. I, yeah. will, go, I will go to work hardcore well, for I was, I was really manager. impressed. When we yeah. talked to him, I mean, I, I, I mean I, it makes tons of sense. And again, going back to, like, how do you start? Like, yeah, where do right. you begin? Like, this yeah. is such a huge pile of stuff to dig out. I mean, Good words got, to use. Some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, stuff. There has, the state of Utah is leading the way. Uh, there's a representative named Ken Ivory who lives down in Utah, and yeah. he started Utah's movement toward liberation of their uh, of their federal lands. And they gave, I believe it was a year or two ago, they gave December 31st, of, a year or two ago, yeah. uh, to the federal government that they will, you know, turn that land back over. Otherwise, they're going to proceed to file litigation on it. Nice. Um, they think they've got, you know, good grounds. to. I, I maintain that the courts are not the proper place for that because I don't think the federal courts will rule in our favor. If they don't have constitutional authority over our land, why are we going like, to the federal that's, court? That, see, that's my point. Yes, right. yeah. Yeah. So it's a yeah, jurisdiction yeah. thing. Right. 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 Yeah. That's how I see it. Right. Jim Schmelick, a uh, Idaho County commissioner, uh, that's a couple of counties south of us, uh, is is probably Idaho's foremost expert on the federal land issue. And if you're really interested in talking about that, he's a great guy. Uh, is he's there a go- website or? Uh, I think it, you're going to have to give me time to think about that. Okay. He's got a couple of them. And I don't I'll know look it up. What's his full name? Schmelik, C-H-M-E-L-I-K, Jim. And, and, and what about the budgetary side of this? I mean, so there, it, there is a pretty big chunk of our budget. Well, that- it's not necessarily related to federal lands. Right now, oh, the Idaho okay. State budget's about uh, 36% funded by federal subsidies of one form or another. And I mean, you have everything from, you know, federal subsidies for the Department of uh, Environmental Quality to transportation su- subsidies oh, ab- 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 all over now, the place. Now, some of yeah. those subsidies, okay, some of them are, are constitutionally valid, roads, that kind of thing, sure. interstates, that kind of stuff. Sure. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking about, uh, you know, subsidies that we get like PILT, 
Uh, there was another act that was issued, Secure Rural Schools, which we don't get the money for anymore. That's That's gone away. We're still fighting for the scraps of, you know, King Obama's ta- off King Obama's table for that. Uh, <laughs> oh, King. So we, we, we're really in it. Yeah. And, and it is key to Idaho's economic future that we get those lands back and that we absolutely do, like Russ says, and we wean ourselves off the federal teat. It's yeah. mandatory. Right. So you mm. said you said in the, the first segment that you think um, uh, uh, basically you said something like light shining on government is super healthy. Absolutely. Um, and we were we were talking about WikiLeaks, et cetera. Um, it, but you've started a website here in Idaho. So I want to give our listeners kind of a practical example of what some of this kind of looks like, maybe um, uh, even fighting some local politics. But you started a website here in Idaho to basically shine light on some of the okay. Republican politics. You got uh, actually, uh, he's got his own wiki. It's, it's, not a, it's not a wiki. <laughs> Um, but here for, you know, what, what's for, the website? The website is www.packtrack.com. P-A-C-T-R-A-C-K. Okay. P-A-C standing for political action committee. Right. It's not strictly focused on that. Um, are you guys aware of what sunshine laws are? No. And that's why I say sunshine is the best medicine. Okay. <laughs> in, Ida- in Idaho, we have what's called the sunshine law. Every political action committee, every candidate, every politician, must file periodic reports with the Secretary of State's office for every every uh, donation they receive that's political, every political expenditure that has to be it has to be itemized, categorized, mm. packs that do what are called uh, um, independent expenditures. Where let's say if you're a candidate, Gabe, and and you don't know about this, but I'm going to do a mailing on your behalf. You you don't know anything about it, but it's in your favor. I have to file a report on that. Okay, so every expenditure. How would I find out about that? Uh, you, we're getting there yeah. now. <laughs> Slow your horses, bro. You can. You I want to know who's who's mailing stuff <laughs> off about me. Okay, you can go to the Secretary of State's website, um, sos.idaho.gov, and um, you can get their scanned documents. What what PackTrack does is I have. I'm a software consultant, by the way, so this stuff is kind of second nature to me. So what I did was I downloaded their information in electronic format. I put it into a SQL Server database, and I put a website front end on it. Okay. So you can type in any uh, politician's name. You can type in any political action committee pieces of it. Kind of works like Google. Um, this is for the state of Idaho, though. This is for the state of Idaho. And you can get full disclosure on every campaign contribution and expenditure, with the exception of the independent expenditures. I'm still working on that a little bit okay. because, because the Secretary of State's data is really not that good. Um, and it's all kind of like handwritten and stuff. It's, it's really kind of huh. hard to deal with it. But uh, when you go there, you type in your politician's name, and you'll get a little listing on them, kind of like, you know, what you'd see on a multiple listing service or something, you know, from a real estate right. thing. Right. And it will tell you what percentage of their income is uh, PAC money and corporate money, what percentage comes from private wow. institutions, what percentage comes from out of state, and if you really mm-hmm. want a kind of an eye-opener, mm-hmm. if you're on the site right now, um, I think so. Why don't you type in Paulette Jordan, P-A-U-L-E-T-T-E. <laughs> He's naming names. J- J-O-R-D-A-N. I love it when people do that. <laughs> she, is a, she is a District 5 sitting representative, and you will find that she is... And District 5 is... Leitah and Benoit County. Leitah and Benoit. We're in Leitah here in Moscow. You're in Benoit. That's correct. Okay. And you'll see that she has probably... I'm, I'm going from memory here. You'd have to pull it up to verify it. But she's probably about, I'm going to say, 45 or 46% funded by outside the state. What's, what's the website again? www.packtrack.org. Org. .com. Org. Oh, no, not com. It's .org. Sorry. Okay. 
Okay. Um, 46%? You can pull it up here in a second, and and, and you can verify that. Now, here's another interesting one. Um, Speaker, our Speaker of the House, Scott Bedke, B-E-D-K-E. He is 93% funded by PACs and and corporations. Wow. Okay. Now, here's some interesting things you can learn by browsing the data in PacTrack. Um, you heard me make a mention of the fact that there's very little difference between Republicans and Democrats. Oh, just a little bit. Okay. <laughs> if you go, PackTrack has a news page. And once I put PackTrack online, what started to happen is people from around the state started sending me information. One of the pieces of information I got sent was a mailing that was done on behalf of a gal named Marsha Bjorn, B-J-O-R-N-N. She had a mailing funded against Representative Ron Nate, a staunch conservative, awesome guy in the legislature. I know Ron. I actually did some behind-the-scenes work for his campaign. Um, they did this mailing. The mailing was funded by a, by a PAC called Sportsman for Idaho. Now, when you hear Sportsman for Idaho, what do you think? You know, guns, Gun off-roading, yeah. this kind of stuff. Hunting. Wrong. Right. Bzzzt, dead wrong. These guys got all of their funding in 2014 by conservation voters for Idaho. They're a false front organization. You better stop. No, absolutely not. Oh, wow. For for Democrats, basically, liberals. IDLCC, Idaho Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee, contributed to uh, the... Wow. uh, Let me raise my chin. Okay. To them, um, conservation voters for Idaho... And I believe PACE, the Political Action Committee for Education, was also involved in this. Whoa. So now we have a sitting state central committee member for the Republican Party teaming up behind the scenes with democratically funded leftist front organizations. What could go wrong? To target <laughs> sitting conservative legislator. Right. Here's the first thing I did when I found that out. I got on Facebook. I went to GOP chairman Steve Yates's Facebook page, and I said, maybe you'd like to comment on this. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I here, saw that. I remember seeing that. Okay. You know what he did? Two hours later, my post was gone, and he banned me from his Facebook page. Right. Mm-hmm. Only the thing to do. That's the only right thing right. to do. Okay. Yeah. So you tell me. <laughs> yeah, sunshine. <laughs> right? Sunshine's good. You're, you're watching the cockroaches scatter. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. Um, there's all kinds of stuff you can glean from that site. So, well, in each, each state can do something like this, right? I mean, all, all political action committees... And and politicians are, are supposed to report. It's a state by state thing, it, and the it, federal it, government has its own rules. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. now, talk to us about what's going on here and what you're doing in Moscow. District Five. Uh, so Benoit. we we want this to be. I mean, we have a bunch of listeners in Moscow, Lataw County, but we also um, have a lot of listeners all over the country, all over yeah. the world. Yep. Um, we're thinking about this as a as sort of a, a case study. Like here, here's what here's one person what you're doing in in our district what's going on in our district and why are you what are you running for and why are you running for it a couple of years ago um our sitting republican uh representative a uh, lady named carolyn troy um came up to benoit county she was running for the state legislature she spent a number of days and weeks lobbying me now keep in mind i'm not I'm not the cat's me out there. I do write a lot. I write a lot to the newspaper. Um, I, I'm fairly influential in the news as far as, you know, educating people on legislation. I read bills. I write about bills. I try and educate people as to what's going on in Boise so people are aware of how they're uh, getting that's screwed great. over yeah. by the politicians. It's yeah. a really good start, right? Yeah. Okay. You're sunshine. Yeah. I am sunshine. Yeah. There you go. So um, she, we got a song she, came up, she came up for, uh, from Latah County and... Uh, you know, her, she had a disastrous news interview. Um, 
she refused to answer questions straight, like on abortion was one. Finally, one lady at her first interview pounded her hand on the table and said, yes or no, are you pro-life or not? Well, that finally got her to say she was pro-life. But I mean, it took 10 minutes to get there. Wow. Um, now, <laughs> Such I don't, a hard question. Okay. okay you know, that, was, that was a couple of years ago. I don't know. You sure. know there's been one or two pro-life votes. Uh, you know, she may have voted yes or no. I don't know. Okay. Mm. I, fo- I tend to follow the economic and liberty kinds of votes that are sovereignty oriented that's i mean everybody has their shtick that's mine okay okay and um so toward the end of her campaign she kind of convinced me uh that i would support her and um i'm very sorry i did Mm. Uh, the minute that she got into office she basically voted for every bad bill uh that you can imagine Uh, and i'm talking the real bad stuff not you know Uh, give me some examples okay house bill 425 it put same-sex marriage language in the idaho tax code okay Okay, and it basically said anything that the Supreme Court or even the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals approves as marriage is acceptable into our tax code. Okay, violates Article Three, Section Twenty-Eight of the of the Idaho Constitution right off the bat. Which is now that's the that's uh, that's our uh, statement about statement about marriage. Correct. Okay, we we acknowledge marriage is between a man and a woman. Right. Okay. Now this, this, this you know there's a whole big deal about the Supreme Court overturning that but right. i believe like what scalia had said he said that there's not a, the thinnest veneer in that ruling that's, right it's hokey <laughs> yeah okay so um that's one of them now to, to, to make matters worse is as if that wasn't bad enough uh that house that bill was sent to the floor of the legislature without a proper bill number and with no public committee hearing hmm. now why do you think they did that <laughs> Because we don't want sunshine because people like us would go down there with pitchforks and spears and we would and we'd be angry. Okay. so so the whole subterfuge behind sneak it through. That's absolutely correct. Okay. then there's House Bill one, which was passed off on us as a, uh, you know, international child support bill in return for forty six million dollars. The state of Idaho would get if we and, and the state and the federal government said you have to pass this language to bring your child support laws into compliance with federal law. First of all, we don't have to do that, okay? okay. And they said, if you don't do that, we're going to withhold $46 million of federal money. That's where Russ gets into this yeah. wean ourselves right. off of federal uh, money. Okay. It's now, like extortion. Okay, Butch Otter, yeah. Yeah, bribery, exactly. extortion. Exactly. Governor Otter has never met a federal dollar he did not like. So he, <laughs> so he calls in a special session of the legislature to vote on this bill. This bill took the Code of Federal Regulations and referenced it in Idaho statutes. That's black star number one. We should never be writing federal law into Idaho law, ever. Mm-hmm. Okay? Number two, the Code of Federal Regulations references the tre- uh, Treaty of the Hague. We are not a ratifier of that treaty. Wow. The United States has never ratified that treaty. So what this bill did was an end run around the United States Senate's treaty ratification powers and took Hague Treaty language and, by reference, put it in the Idaho statutes. Okay? <laughs> What was the effect? The effect is that if you have, you know, if, if, if your wife runs off to Iran with your daughter and, and you want to fight that, instead of being protected under Idaho law, it goes to an international tribunal to determine who the... Whoa. I'm not kidding you. Wow. Whoa. That's what's in there. Um, there were several legislators that tried to bring this to our attention. Um, anyway, she ignored all the warning signs. She voted for that. Wow. Um, I could go on. So so now so so you regret that vote? <laughs> Absolutely. And what are you doing now? Right now I'm keeping the only conservative um face in the race for seat 5B. 
Um, so she's a Republican. So, so let me, let me, yeah, let me, let me maybe set the stage for okay. what's going on okay. here. So for our listeners, we, we live in 5th District here, which is Benoit County and Lataw County. We live in Lataw County. But 5th District includes Benoit County, just north of us. And so running um, the Republicans that are nominated, for, so we send two representatives down to Boise and one senator down to Boise from okay. our district. Okay. The two nominated Republicans are Carl Berglund. No, we not know, for my seat. We that's for seat A. Yep, that's seat A. And then the other, so we have 5th District seat A, which is Carl, and then 5th District seat B, which is Carolyn Nilsson Troy, and she's the nominated incumbent Republican running, and she's running against a Democrat. Who's the Democrat? Uh, Lorraine Sorensen. And then, and then Ken DeVry, DeVries is in as an independent. And now why... Um, if we have a Republican running against Democrat, what are you doing as an independent jumping in in the race? This is going to get into some interesting things that is sometimes difficult to get a point across. But yeah. I'm going to make blow the, the case. top off. I'm, right? I'm going to make the case for you. Do it. It is not my intention to simply get a Democrat elected. Let me just put that out there. That's not the intention. I'm not working for the Democratic Party. I ran as an independent because the original plan was to get Carl Berglund, which he actually did. Carl Berglund signed up to run in seat, in seat B against Carolyn Troy in the primary. We think he could have beaten her. The problem was, in no offense to Carl, I think he got a little bit of cold feet, and the establishment kind of said, we'll give you money if you switch seats, which he did. There was some chicanery going on there because they later stacked up somebody else to run against him. We beat wow. him in the primary. We beat the other guy in the primary. Carl eventually won. Yeah. Everything yeah. worked out okay. Yeah. Okay? I was going to be the backup plan and file as an independent anyway. And I could go, then we could go down with Carl on the front and, and kind of get him in a pincer maneuver and say, you moderates down here are going to lose be, unless you support Carl. Mm. You're going to get me in the, you're going to get me in the, uh, in the general. And, and of course, in that case, it was bye bye because that would take votes away from the Republican. Right, right. I'm pretty well known in Benoit County and there's a lot of conservatives who are going to support me up there. Yeah. Carl switches seats. That left me holding the bag. For 5B, for seat for, 5B. For seat 5B. So Carl went to 5A. Carl went to 5A. Okay. I, I'm left with seat 5B. I yeah. wasn't about to back out because, frankly, I am furious at Troy. Yeah. Okay? She's not a bad lady. She's not Hillary Clinton. She's not evil. She just doesn't understand the primary role of government. Mm -hmm. Okay? Right. And um, so I'm running a legitimate race. And the bottom line is this. The difference between Sorensen and Troy is practically nothing. Troy has thrown conservatives a bone here and there. She did vote for the constitutional carry bill, although she voted against, or she would have voted against the constitutional carry bill that came up in 2015. That's a longer story. I won't get into that. Okay. But she did vote for the one in 2016. Hats off to her. Um, and she's probably got one or two other votes out there that are probably okay. Uh, the majority of her of the of her votes on the topics that I follow again. Sovereignty, taxation, yeah. all that kind of thing, right. economic stuff. She's horrible. Mm -hmm. mm. So now you're running against Carolyn basically to tell the Republicans, to send a message to the Republicans saying, stop nominating these, these moderates. That's or, right. Or, or basically Democrats. Right. You know, and so let's run this play to split the vote so she doesn't get elected. And then next time it comes around, hopefully the Republican Party's kind of learned from I, that experience. I, I, I want to shock them into into shape and say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna put an end to your ability to elect liberal Republicans. Now, here's the bottom yeah. line: if Soren, if if, if um, Sorensen goes to the legislature instead of Troy, when you look at the damage that can be done between the two of them, 
I'd rather have a liberal right, Democrat yeah. than a liberal Republican. You're not yeah. sacrificing as much. That's, I'm right. not sacrificing yeah, yeah, a exactly. thing. Exactly. It's an 80% Republican legislature. 80%. That's a super duper majority. Right. This is more about a spanking. This is a shellacking. Okay. And I'll tell you what, the, the, the state party is scared to death of this because they are pouring thousands of dollars into this district in her campaign. Do you think that's wow. to save her seat? No. No. It's to, right. it's to stop the brush fire yep. that's going to happen when the rest of the st- the rest of the swing districts catch on to this and conservatives say we've had enough right. we're going to do the same thing you either get back to your platform get back to or the constitution we're gonna, or we're going to do, yeah. do our own thing we're going to do our own thing and the yeah. reason why i like this as an example is because other people should be running this absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You got, what do you got right. moderate they are scared to absolutely. death yeah. that this is going to st- yeah. catch on so but, use that as a tool in your other states yeah i mean if you're if you're yeah. fed up with I mean, if you agree with what ken's saying that yeah. there's not there is no difference between Republicans and Democrats. On substantial matters. Yeah, yeah. No, right. I no. mean, and, and especially just with the corruption, with Absolutely. the lies and with the, you know, the being bought off, not, not mm-hmm. standing mm-hmm. by convictions, not doing what's right. Yeah. Talk about being bought off. You know how we got Obamacare in the state? Because Blue Cross and the three other insurance companies, mm-hmm. Blue Cross in particular, spent $200,000 lobbying for it. L- lobbying for it. Yes. And, yes. This is in PackTrack. You can pull it up. Two hundred thousand nine hundred dollars spent on campaign contributions from twenty ten till now. Wow! Now I don't even have the twenty sixteen data in there yet. Yeah. You can verify this. Wow! Yeah. So, so if people care about this, then then it, they need to start making a point about it at home. Absolutely, yeah. in, in, in their, their in, county, in their county, in their yeah. county, county right. by find, county, guys. Find out who's Bring running sunshine. for those seats. And say we're not going to do this. We're not going to play these games. And if your if your guy or your gal is playing the games. Get out. We got to stop the partisan charade. Yeah. Stop well, it. thank you, everyone, for. Uh, thank you, Ken. Yeah, thank thanks, you, everyone, Ken. listening to Cross Politic. Thanks Please for having me on. Email us at crosspolitik at gmail.com. Get what? on our email list. Get yes. on our email list. It's a great way for us to stay in touch with you. We want to hear from you. Listen next time. More Cross Politic at crosspolitik.com or on iTunes.